Chapter Twenty Four of Neighbours by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. That same evening, Mr. Kitchener Hobbs had also attended the services in Mr. Pettibone's church. He had done so for a good yet simple reason, entirely disassociated with religious convictions of any sort. Mrs. Pettibone had asked him very sweetly to come. The little lady was walking slowly along the street, pushing the perambulator before her. Enthroned in this luxurious vehicle, and quite pink and complacent, young Master Pettibone viewed the passing show, which consisted at the moment of a muddy farm wagon, a yellow dog frisking ahead with extravagant demonstrations of joy, and a single rather grimy pedestrian. This person would have hurried past without a show of recognition had not Mrs. Pettibone stopped him. "'Why, Mr. Hobbs,' she said, "'how do you do?' The young man touched his cap respectfully. He did not wish to stop and talk with Mrs. Pettibone, but he appeared to have no choice in the matter. "'Don't you think the baby has grown?' she demanded proudly. "'He'll soon be six months old.' The young Englishman affected to examine the infant with surprise. He was a thorough gentleman, as was the illustrious soldier whose name he bore. "'He's jolly well grown since I saw him last,' he agreed with gratifying sincerity. "'And is that the dog we chased the day you exchanged your slippers, Mrs. Pettibone?' Mrs. Pettibone beamed rosily upon Mr. Hobbs. "'To think of his recalling the trifling circumstance so precisely!' He must really be a remarkable young man. She'd speak to Mr. Pettibone about him. In the meantime, she must not forget his immortal soul. It's the very same dog, she told him. Oh, he's the most intelligent animal, and he loves the baby. Having exchanged these amenities, Mr. Hobbs appeared about to pass on. Oh, <coughs> faltered the minister's wife, I, I just wanted to ask you, are you attending the revival services at the church? Mr. Hobbs shook his head. He seldom went out of an evening, he said. Oh, but um, Mrs. Pettibone's face had crimsoned painfully with the effort she was making to do her duty. If you haven't, you really ought, you know. Everyone ought to. Don't you think one should be quite sure... The young man looked honestly puzzled. Quite sure, he repeated. Yes, of being saved. Oh, but I never could speak to anyone properly about their souls, as of course I ought to, being a minister's wife. Mrs. Pettibone was quite breathless by now. She clutched the handle of the perambulator so tightly that her knuckles showed white through the skin. Mr. Hobbs blushed youthfully. Well, I, I'm sure I ought to thank you, he said, but really... Please promise me you'll go to the meeting tonight, she persisted, still breathlessly. I am afraid I'm not a good worker in the church. Oh, but if you... He was surprised to see tears glistening on her sparse lashes. I promised Mr. Pilgrim, she added dejectedly. And now I've tried, but if you... Oh, I'll come to your church if you'd like me to, he said quickly. I shan't mind, really. 
her gratitude was touching young hobbs got away from it hastily still he had promised to attend the meeting and being a man of his word he found himself in a rear pew as the church bell ceased its urgent appeals he listened with serious attention to the sermon and the singing in the light of his thoughts it was unfortunate that to elder george trimmer had been assigned the task of speaking to the unconverted and backsliders in that section of the congregation where young hobbs was seated the conversation between the two men was brief and pointed at its conclusion the erstwhile shoe clerk of the trimmer emporium with a bitter smile upon his lips strolled out to the vestibule he had seen madeline enter with miss malvina and ma bennett and the thought of himself walking home with her in the cloudy darkness of the autumnal evening soothed his ruffled feelings through the open door of the church he saw that a light rain was falling and congratulated himself on his forethought in bringing an umbrella it seemed a long time before he saw her coming through the swinging door closely followed by a tall young man with indeterminate features and a ruddy complexion he'd seen him before he knew also for no reason whatever he disliked the fellow even before he perceived his arrogant assumption of proprietorship in madeline good evening miss madeleine said kitchener hobbs in french affecting not to see her companion it is raining but fortunately like a true londoner i fetched my umbrella you will let me take you home the girl blushed with girlish embarrassment you are of a politeness she murmured but you will excuse most kindness pas it is raining quite fast particularized mr hobbs still unconscious of the masculine presence at madeleine's side harry schwartz scowled blankly at the wet shining pavements and the wet dripping foliage then his eyes brightened in an umbrella stand near the door he spied the means of escape i have an umbrella he said calmly possessing himself of a large substantial article bearing the name buckthorn prominently displayed upon its handle he assured his badly abused conscience that he would return it before mrs buckthorn had finished her pious labours within upon mr hobbs he bestowed a single glance of defiance perhaps we'd better hurry along he suggested to madeline then i'll hustle back with an umbrella for miss malvina and the old lady madeline hesitated to avoid wounding a friend while declining a kindness required one's savoir-faire mr hobb she began with a bewitching glance of entreaty i am very much hope you are not mad with me but i have honour to tell you mr schwartz take me home you are acquainted with him n'est-ce pas the two young men stared at each other with a slight very slight stiffening of their spinal processes in their eyes shone the primeval glint of the male animal madeleine was vaguely alarmed very nice person monsieur le noir she murmured very much you like him mr hobb i didn't catch your name sir said kitchener hobbs my name is schwartz snapped harry and then he suddenly grew pale 
haven't i seen you at the plant inquired mr hobbs unpleasantly circumstantial harry controlled himself with an effort hmm, I, I work there he said madeleine had retreated to the door of the audience room from whence issued triumphant bursts of song oh i think it best i wait for miss malvina she murmured her eyes wide with apprehension i quite agree with you said mr hobbs deliberately turning his back upon harry miss bennett might be alarmed at not finding you harry's heart was pounding furiously in his scarlet ears look here he said thickly addressing himself to his rival who asked you to butt in mr hobbs assumed as well as he was able the expression of lord kitchener after his return from khartoum he did not appear to have understood the rude question i think you will not have long to wait he said to madeleine in her own language which to his angry antagonist sounded precisely like the flawlessly unintelligible speech of m desaye harry all his teuton and revolutionary blood suddenly rising to the boiling point with love and fury closed in upon mr hobbs he had not been so angry since a boy in the third grade of the public school had called him sissy because his mother had persisted in sparing his yellow curls on that occasion young harry had fallen fearlessly upon the aggressor though he was twice his size and beaten him unmercifully you didn't answer me he stated hoarsely in unpleasant proximity to mr hobbs's ear no and i don't intend to replied mr hobbs disdainfully you're the sort of bounder a gentleman doesn't recognize at this psychological instant madeleine's quick wits prevented a continuation of hostilities which might have resulted disastrously on the very threshold of the revival she laid her hand lightly on harry's sleeve beneath which bulged angry muscles oh, very much obliged she said sweetly you are most friendly and of a politeness oui? me i present to you one thousand thanks we wait for madame dubois bennett and miss malvina yes into the final word which she had declined to utter only the day before at his entreaty the girl managed to convey such coaxing sweetness such alluring charm that harry felt his rage suddenly vanish like a wind-blown mist all right he murmured his honest blue eyes beaming down upon her anything you say goes sure it does she made haste to agree you are my friend of a right deadness très bien and then upon the smart of mr hobbs resentment she poured the balm of her smile oh how i am glad for very nice umbrella she warbled miss malvina aussi and madame her ma snug as a bug in the rug all every one with such great kindness of our friends mr hobbs regained his presence of mind at a single bound charmed i'm sure to be of some small service he said with a bow which would have gained him recognition in hyde park permit me he pressed his umbrella into madeline's hand and was gone into the rainy night before she could utter a remonstrance perhaps it was fortunate that miss malvina and ma bennett came hurriedly forth at that moment 
Miss Malvina's cheeks were flushed, her eyes bright. "'Well, I declare, Madeleine,' she exclaimed, "'so that's what's become of you. "'Harry Schwartz, you ought to be in there, "'settin' with the mourners this minute. "'I seen you take Madeleine away "'just as Jim Baldwin was a-labourin' with her. "'She wanted to go home,' Harry excused himself inadequately. "'A poor excuse is better than none,' retorted Miss Malvina. "'If it hadn't been for Mar, I don't know but what I'd have joined in with the backsliders.' But Ma didn't catch much of what he was saying. Oh, and besides, she got a pain in the small of her back from setting so long in that pesky camp chair. And then along comes Henry Pratt, and had the nerve to ask Ma and me to hit the trail. Why, who's got on a trail, Malviny, says Ma, innocent. Oh, I thought I should die. Mr. Sign Painter Pratt, I says severe. If you'd a took that sermon in, I says, you wouldn't be talking no such nonsense to Ma Bennett. You ain't worthy to unbutton her shoes, I says, and I'd like it to sink deep in your ears, speaking of the subject of the sermon, I says, which was honesty, that the paint on my dressmaking sign is peeling off already, and me a paying a dollar and seventy-five cents for it less than six months ago. You go down on that trail, Henry, I says, and see if you can't get a hold of a brand of religion that'll make you mix your paint with linseed oil instead of kerosene. Quite unabashed by this pointed exposition on common honesty, Harry spread the buckthorn umbrella over Madeline, while Miss Malvina and Ma went on before, under the shelter so kindly loaned by Mr. Hobbs. "'Wasn't it nice of him to think of two old women like me and Ma?' floated back to the two young people over Miss Malvina's shoulder. "'I'll bet a dollar Oddy Hobbs'll get a star in his crown for that.' "'What is star in crown?' propounded Madeline, striving to pierce the gloom of Harry's demeanour. "'I never saw one of them, replied Harry dejectedly, "'and I guess I never will now.' "'Will I ever see one of those crowning stars?' persisted the girl. "'You like them, eh?' "'They look dandy on you,' sighed Harry. "'But I hope you won't get one for a long time yet. "'Say, Madeleine, there's something I want to ask you.' "'Très bien, yes.' A cold trickle from the buckthorn umbrella, winding deviously down the back of his collar, still further depressed the sinking barometer of Harry's feelings. There's a lot of things I want you to tell me. I've got to know them or go up the spout. All right, the girl encouraged him. Say, do you think it's square for me to go on being called Lenoir? On the level now, have I any right to that name? Madeline pondered the proposition, expressed in terms of two dimensions, with care. "'What is square?' she inquired cautiously. "'Is that a nice word, square?' "'If I could jab a French like that nervy chap Hobbs, I could explain in a jiffy,' he growled deep in his throat. "'In a jiffy? An automobile? Oui, I understand. Oh, hang it!' I didn't say jitney, protested Harry. Look here, Madeline, we'll 
cut out the figures of speech for once and try to get down to brass tacks so you'll savvy see brass tack oui très bien do you remember when you introduced me to your father votre father you know you didn't want him to catch on that i was german well of course i ain't i'm american clear to the backbone and i'll knock the spots out of any cheap sports who dares to say i ain't i'm american all right but i've got a deutsch name heinrich schwartz i don't care it's a blamed good name and it's an american name because i'm one and what's more it's going to be an american name for i don't know how long harry paused impressed with the spotless pages of american history embellished with the name of heinrich schwartz which seemed suddenly unrolled before him it's time all this darn nonsense about names was wiped out he stated with some violence why isn't schwartz as good as black or lenoir i'm blamed if it ain't but i guess i've put my foot in it by translating it into blooming belle francaise if that british chap should give me away at the plant you call yourself le noir at plant asked madeleine suddenly pouncing on the crux of the matter like a preternaturally bright kitten yes admitted harry reluctantly they were turning away applicants with german names i wanted the job you know why if you don't i'll tell you again i want you to marry me as soon as i earn enough to build my house i love you madeleine harry's voice was scarcely audible as he made his final fateful statement it seemed to him that he had shouted it from the housetops every lighted window glimpsed through vistas of dripping foliage appeared to be spying upon him with stealthy enjoyment his heart thumped loudly in his ears as he waited for her answer but madeleine it seemed was still pondering his initial question ought he to call himself le noir in order to earn money this much she had comprehended clearly i think i ask my father she said at last i explain all to him then i tell to you you like me to explain n'est-ce pas then you do oh madeleine harry's further utterance was choked with rapture but he managed to possess himself of her hand which he squeezed fervently but i guess it's up to me to face the music he added dubiously she had withdrawn the squeezed hand with a little cry oh, oh did i hurt you he inquired penitently i'm so happy i guess i didn't realize oh say madeleine did you mean it her upturned face in the strong radiance of a swinging arc-light was so lovely that he yearned to kiss it but the puzzled pucker between her brows deflected him from his purpose i can never be sure just how much you take in of what i'm saying he complained darn it if i'd only worked harder while i had the chance i might have been able to parlez-vous by now come to think i do know the first part of one verb j'aime savez j'aime madeleine to his dismay she burst into ringing mirth oh, you are most funny harry she told him oh, quick i die laughing 
funny he echoed then you think it's a joke when a man asks you to marry him do you that's what i'm trying to say i want you for my wife do you know what wife means his face changed subtly from the inchoate good looks of the boy to the stern masterfulness of the man bent toward her do you he urged she shook her head airily i think best you étudier le dictionnaire français she said enfin i understand more quick her eyes bright as stars in the uncertain light told him nothing all right he said doggedly i'll get busy there's a few words i'm going to make you understand if i study all night merci one thousand my friend me i also study my dictionnaire anglais and i find all those strange words those wife and to marry him you like me to do it harry madeleine but already they had reached the gate of miss philura's little house which had once swung wide to the sober middle-aged wooing of the reverend silas pettibone and she had passed quickly inside those parapluies she reminded him you are obliged to take him oh that's right he exclaimed a vision of the outraged mrs buckthorn vainly searching for her umbrella adding itself to the sum total of his discomfiture as he sprinted down the street he could hear madeline's high sweet call of greeting and farewell to miss malvina who had evidently been watching for her safe arrival confound it murmured harry vaguely displeased with miss malvina the world at large and most of all with himself End of chapter 24